listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. TLR, we doing good tonight? We're doing good? Sweet, sweet. Uh, if we have not had the chance to meet, my name is Chad. Uh, they call me Chad Joseph because my dad's name is also Chad. For whatever reason, we decided Chad twice was a good idea. But uh, seriously, I cannot be more excited to be here. Uh, and there's a couple reasons why that's the case is because this is actually my home church. Uh, and I don't know if, the, if others of you would be like, hey, I grew up in Forsyth County area. I know a lot of you guys in some of these guys over here, I know uh, from way back whenever they were in high school, but some of you in the room would say like, yeah, I am Forsyth County, born and raised. I went to North Forsyth High School uh, and I actually went to Inside Out, our high High school ministry here at this church. Uh, but then more than that, uh, I moved away. I now am the Woodstock City Inside Out Director. Uh, but what is more important than that uh, is that my dad is on staff at this church. You can give it up for Chad, dad. That's right. Yes, we go. There you go. And even more important than that, my mother, Autumn, is a volunteer at this church. You can give it up for that. That's right. We keep on. Yep, yep, yep. My sister is on staff at this church, Anna, who's better than me. That's right. We're going to keep it going. We're going to keep it going. And the best one of them all, <laughs> my sister's boyfriend of two and a half years is actually working here at TLR. Y'all can give it up for him real quick. And so guys, there's this moment, and it was a little bit awkward uh, that happened uh, within the last couple of days, is that Jesse actually texted me uh, to get a picture that, that of me that he could post on the Instagram, be like, hey, here's who's gonna be coming to speak. And he texted me, and for the first time in the last two and a half years of my little sister's boyfriend being in my life, he was texting me about something that had to do with work. And in my brain, there was this little moment where I was like, Jesse's kind of my boss right now. Power move, Jesse. Like, I will see you at Thanksgiving dinner and it's gonna be weird. But no, I, I love him and I love my family and I love this church and I love TOR and I love the time whenever I got to spend uh, two years while on staff here at this church. I loved any chance that I got to be here at TOR. And I was super honored whenever Ryan asked for me to be a part of this series of God, Did God Really Say Week 4? Uh, and I was so excited that I actually went back and I listened to all three of the messages leading up to now. Uh, but here's the thing, I don't have time for all that. Like, I mean, I have time for Jesus, but like, that's not what I meant. But I went on Spotify and have y'all seen the like twice as fast function on Spotify? If y'all think that Ryan Gray is funny, wait until he's Alvin and the Chipmunks. Like it is amazing. It's like heartfelt, but I'm crying laughing. And so it was amazing. This series has been incredible. And one of my favorite things about this series is it's all based off a book and we've name dropped it a couple times in this series, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And I love the way he writes. I was actually introduced to this book a couple years, or not years ago, a couple months ago, uh, when me and the guys on our staff, we all read it, all the guys uh, on our leadership team. And it just wrecked my entire world. And then whenever Ryan was like, hey, we're gonna be doing a series. Okay, what's the content on? He was like, live no lies. I was like, that is amazing. And so I, I love this book, not just because it's a set of content or some things we're gonna talk about tonight, uh, but because it has radically impacted my life personally. And so as we go through the rest of this, I don't want this just to be another talking head or somebody that is coming in, but this is truth that I have taken in my own life that has radically changed the way that I think about truth and lies and reality and the enemy and God and everything in between. 
And so in this series, we're, we're really talking about three questions and we'd have three messages leading up to now. And the first one of these is who is God? Who is God? This is one of the most important questions that you could ever ask yourself. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. We've talked about that. And there's a bunch of lies and truth about who God is. And then the second question we tackled is who am I? Who am I? The lame is, if you know the sound, who am I? Is It just comes to mind every time and I can't sing. But I love, I love who am I because it's all about identity and Jake and Chelsea did an amazing job tackling this question of who am I? And the question we're gonna be talking about tonight is this one right here and it is how am I supposed to live? I'm gonna be a thousand percent honest with you right now. I was terrified in the moment that I found out that this was the question that was left for us to be talking about. If I'm being 100% honest with you. Like, I was like, hey, I would love to talk about who God is. Like, I love God, God's great. I, who am I? It's like identity, it's like, that's, that's such a important thing to talk about. When, then where we got this question of how am I supposed to live? It's a presupposition that we're gonna talk about how you're supposed to live. And then I thought about the world that we live in today and I was like, man, everybody on the face of the planet, it feels like is trying to tell you how you're supposed to live. Everybody I feel like is trying to tell people like me how it is that I'm supposed to live and it can be exhausting. I mean, whether it is church and maybe for you, your story, whenever it comes to church and like religious people is the moment that you walk into the building, there's a lot of people on stages like the one I'm standing on. They're just screaming at you, telling you, hey, here are the things you are supposed to do. And then the things that you're not supposed to do. And then even in the midterm elections, I have gotten a million texts and phone calls. And maybe you have too, because uh, some of you just turned 18 and it's like fresh meat. And so they are texting you and they are talking to you. And it's like, hey, you're supposed to think or act or believe this way. And it could be exhausting. And so in this series, whenever we're, we're talking about recognizing misinformation and information in a, in a world of truth and lies and reality and unreality, and how are you supposed to be able to sift through all those things? I was taken back to whenever I was a freshman in college. Um, I don't know where you find yourself today or whether or not you've been growing up in the church your entire life. And this is just your next ministry on the stop because you're just used to being in church and you grew up around the church. And I, I don't know your story, but maybe that's always been the case. Or maybe for you, you were invited to TLR by somebody in college or by a friend, and this is your very first experience. Or maybe you started attending something like this or you met God somewhere in between. But I remember whenever I was a freshman in college and a little bit of my story is that my dad is a pastor. He's on staff here, like I said earlier. And I grew up and I'll be a thousand percent honest with you. I was baptized at the age of five. And I've never really known what it was like to not know Jesus. That's my story. I'm not saying that has to be yours, but I've never known what it's like to not know Jesus. And I remember walking into the University of Georgia and about halfway through, I begin to meet people of all different walks of life. I begin to meet people who do not look like me, who do not think like me, who do not believe like me. And they have become the very best friends that I've ever had in life. And about the first semester in, one of my friends that I was in a communications class with asked me a question and we, we got to know each other at this point. 
And long story short, we, we had a long discussion because it's an uncomfortable question to ask. And he asked me this question, hey, chat, do you think that you follow Jesus because your entire family does? Do you think that you follow Jesus because you grew up in the church and that was like, kind of like your tradition? Do you think that if you had grown up in a different place that you would believe the things that you do or do you just believe, do you just go to church, you just follow this thing called following Jesus just because of the family that you grew up in? And immediately, like, I mean, I had all the right answers. I had the defense. I had like the things that I had been taught. But then over the next several weeks and over the next several months, part of my story is that I found myself at spring break a freshman year, and it wasn't anything crazy. I was actually hanging out with a bunch of my friends who were all uh, in the same ministry. We were a part of this thing uh, called Wesley at the University of Georgia, and we were all on spring break together going snowboarding. And I told some people in my life for the very first time that I was beginning to question whether or not I was following Jesus because it was a truth that I believed or it was a lie that I had bought into because of the insight of some very, very smart people. And it wasn't like one of those things, I don't know if you've ever had that doubt before. I might be the only one. I would be willing to bet that I'm not. But I found myself in a place going like, man, this thing that I believed and, and, and this life that I've lived and like, I love it and I love my community and I love my friends. But it was a very real question for me is like, hey, what am I gonna do with this question that's in my mind? And I began to set out on a journey of trying to figure out what is true, of what is real. And I'd be willing to bet that you, and maybe just as a result of this series, and, but at some point in time in college, you're on a quest for what is true and what is real. Nobody sets out trying to believe a bunch of lies or trying to believe something that isn't true, but we all want to be a part of the side of things that are true and are Real And so over the course of this series, we have given a lot of amazing insight. In fact, maybe that's your experience with church is that every single time that you walk through doors like these or TLR, you get, you get insight. And it's insight, it is being able to see something that maybe you couldn't before. And it's amazing and it is wise. And it is something that you take and you put in your back pocket and you bring out later and you talk about uh, with your friends or at a Bible study or you write it down in your journal or whatever that means. But then it stops there. For many of us, we've had insight in our life that we, we, we hear this thing or we read this thing. Somebody says something from this stage and it's amazing, but the insight stops at insight. And one of the things that I would hate for to happen tonight is for us to gather here and for us to do all these things and, and set aside our schedules and really buy into this series for the next, for the last four weeks. And for it just to be a lot of good ideas. But in fact, many of the things that we talk about in this place and, and, and this idea of did God really say can be so much more than insight and so much more than, than things that we know, but it can actually be head knowledge that transforms into heart knowledge that transforms into something even deeper. The guy who wrote the book, Live No Lies, his name is John Mark Comer, and he is literally one of the most brilliant human beings that I've ever met. Uh, yeah, I love listening to his podcasts, and one of the, the podcasts that he has, 
He's talking about this idea of insight and something that is waiting for us on the other end of it if we would, we would just take it a step further. And so we read this from one of his podcasts. John Mark Comer says this, that we prefer insight to change. That we settle at insight and self-discovery because we don't like to transform. Now, if I went around the room and I asked each and every one of you, hey, as you go throughout your life, do you hope to get better? Absolutely. As you go throughout college, would you hope that you walked out better than whenever you walked in? For sure. I mean, I don't think anybody in the room would be here tonight unless you were wanting to walk out of here maybe different than the way that you walked in, in one way or another, regardless of where you're at in your faith story, or regardless of where you're at of what a faith story even means. But the idea of transformation, the reason why I think many of us, including myself, just settle for insight the majority of my life is because transformation takes a lot of effort. It also takes recognizing that who we were before we transformed is no longer. And that maybe that version of yourself is somebody that might need to change. But on the other end of insight, not just stopping at insight, but actually being transformation, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I think it is the thing that we all deep down really, really want if this person God, called God is who he says he is. And if we are who God says we are, I think that we would believe the following to be true. And that's that following Jesus is not about behavior modification, but it's about life transformation. Some of you, your biggest wounds with the church, your biggest criticisms of things that you see on social media and these, and these celebrity pastors and whatever your opinion are on, their, on them is that, hey, a lot of the things that I hear, it like it sounds good, but it seems to just be asking people to change the way that they act and it doesn't actually sound like anything's changing on the inside. And maybe you've met somebody like that, that everything that they did, it was changing, but nothing was really changing on the inside. And so my hope for tonight, as we approach this question right here, how do I live? How do you live? This is my hope and this is my prayer is that what we're talking about here tonight is not just this like, hey, just another person in your life telling you how you should live because of my own opinions. Because if I'm being a thousand percent honest, I don't think that's what you need is another person telling you what to do. And whenever I was a freshman in college, whenever I was struggling with this question of faith, that wasn't the thing that got me out of that rut or led me along my journey. But I think that a much more helpful question that ultimately gets down to what this question is talking about, instead of just how do I live is this question right here and it's who do I follow? Now I want you to think about what it means to follow somebody. I mean, every single one of us in the room has been a follower of something at some point in your life. This isn't a new idea, especially in today's world when everything a follower, you think of social media, you think of the people that you follow on Instagram or TikTok or influencers or celebrities, or maybe just somebody that you look up to, uh, the original following was just having a role model. 
And whether you'd care to admit it or not, somewhere, whether it is extremely obvious or somewhere deep down subconsciously, whenever you follow somebody, you, you begin to emulate the things that they do in your own life. Oftentimes because of the way that they look, the way that they act, the things that they have, the way that they're perceived. And over time, for better or for worse, the, the people that we follow or the things that we follow, they begin to shape who we are as people. You begin to look like the things that you follow for better or for worse. And so asking this question, who do I follow or what do I follow is probably one of the most helpful questions, but it requires a lot of vulnerability. It requires a ton of honesty. And if I'm being real with you, many, many times in my life, I was not willing to be honest with myself about who it was or what it was that I was following that I had between the crosshairs of my life as to what I was looking at and to where it was that I was going. And here's another reason why this question matters. What does following have to do with living is because I don't know about you, but that word follow intrinsically means taking steps towards, right? Like just think about the idea of following, not just clicking a button on Instagram, but if you're following somebody, Kyle, if I'm following you, not in like a stalker way, but we're friends, so this isn't as weird as it sounds to some people. But if I'm following you, what is it? It's like, I'm gonna move in your direction. And if you walk into a fire, I don't know why it's this dark, would my life change drastically if I kept following you? Yes, Ouch, right? Like that, that idea, and the reason I say it is because for many of us, we recognize in a silly illustration, it's like, oh, that makes a ton of sense. But then for many of the things that we follow day in and day out, and it might be more of a metaphorical thing or a mental thing or a spiritual thing, we think that the same thing doesn't happen, right? But it does. And so I was thinking about these things that we follow. And I was thinking about some of the advice that maybe you wouldn't hear in a room like this, but the world might give. And it's this expression right here, follow your heart. Has anybody heard this, to follow your heart? Okay, every single one of you have heard it. You just don't like raising your hand. It's like you follow your heart, wherever your heart leads. There you go. Some of you saw somebody on campus today and you followed your heart right into church and you're wondering what happened. Like that, that idea, but at a very young age, we are trained to follow our hearts, right? At the age of five, we're in kindergarten and they ask, what do you wanna be whenever you grow up? And they lie to us and say, you can be whatever you want. You can be a cowboy. You can be the president. You can be an astronaut. You can be a cowboy president in space. Like literally you can do whatever you want. You can just follow your heart. You can follow your dreams. And many of the things that you do, maybe the major that you've chosen is your heart's desire. Maybe the people that you hang out with is what you wanted to do. Even for some of you, the reason you ate at Mod Pizza on the way down here is because it was following your heart. Like, I'm not even necessarily saying that that is a bad thing, but for many of us in every area of our life, what we've done is we followed our heart. Because that's the advice that the world gives is, hey, for you to discover yourself. Have you heard this? 
It's like we live in a world where it's like, hey, you're to go find your truth, to go find out the way that you should live, to go discover who you are, to go experience everything. And through that, you're gonna figure out exactly who you are and the way that you should do that is to follow your heart. But here's the thing about following anything, whether it's your heart, a person, or even Jesus, is that in order to follow something, you are along a path, right? Anytime you've ever followed anything, you've walked along a path to get there. Now, nobody would just close their eyes and just start walking. Like, I mean, there's something in us that the, these uh, things that go up, this self-preservation is like, hey, I need to see the path that I'm on in every other area of our life physically. So we should do that tonight as well. What is it that you're following and what path are you on? What way are you going down? And so there's a couple ways that we're gonna talk about tonight real quick. And one of the ways that we're gonna talk about is this way right here, the enemy's way, Satan's way. Now, I don't know of any of us in the room that if the Satan, the devil came up to us and is like, hey, follow me that there would just be like tons of people that'd be like, okay, not doing anything else on a Tuesday. Like, I don't think that that necessarily would be the first choice for many of us in the room. And here's the thing, I think that the enemy knows that. I think that Satan knows that we aren't just going to follow him if we just were given the invitation to go follow him. In fact, if you read through God's word, you're not gonna find a single time where Satan says, hey, come follow me. You're not gonna find a single time. You're not gonna find a time where the enemy just comes out and says, hey, I want you to go where I am going. But the enemy is cunning. In fact, we, we hear from Jesus that the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy and has an exact plan on being able to do it. And his language, as we've heard, is lies. So he's cunning and smart. And we read in Jeremiah 17, nine, exactly something that the enemy uses to his advantage in order to get us to follow his way without overtly saying, hey, go along the way of the enemy. And it's this right here. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This is one of the authors in the Bible as to what God is saying in wisdom about the heart. Is saying this deceitful above all things and there is no cure. Who can understand it? If you've ever been in a dating relationship and you've wondered what on earth is your significant other thinking half the time, you know it is beyond cure and no one can understand it. That's why nobody has ever written a foolproof book on dating is because no one can understand the human heart. In the same way, the enemy knows that our hearts are deceitful and sometimes our, our, our appetites are too big for our stomach. In fact, in a lot of ways, our hearts and our stomach operate the same way in wanting what the heart wants. The heart just wants what the heart wants and can lead us along a path that can be dangerous. And it's not called the enemy's way, but it's under this guise that we interpret as my way. It's my way. 
It's my way or the highway. It's my way or I'm not going that way if I can't do me. And some of us in the room, we would say, yeah, the last several years in college, I've been going my way. And maybe it's worked out for you a little bit. Maybe you've discovered some things that you're glad that you've discovered. You're not the first person, if you have lived your life your way, going down my way, you're not the first person to do that. In fact, one of the greatest songbirds of our generation, a poet, if you will, by the name of Gabriela Montez, sings about this. High School Musical 2. I've got to move on and be who I am. I just don't belong here. I hope you understand. We might find our place in this world one day, but at least for now, I've got to go my own way. And then uh, Troy Bolton goes, what about us? And then, then I'm not going to keep singing because I'm not, at, what about everything we've been through? And then she says, what about trust? You know, I never wanted to hurt you. I'm so sorry for Spotify listeners on double speed, but uh, whenever... The reason I bring that up, if you don't know the plot of High School Musical 2, he's invited, Troy Bolton is invited to go work at this country club of Sharpay Evans, the like antagonist in like every single movie. And in this moment though, Troy and Gabriella are dating and through a lot of different circumstances, Gabriella has gotten jealous, justifiably so, and begins to doubt their relationship, begins to doubt Troy's intentions in the relationship. That's why she sings, what about trust? But like upper octave. And so she goes her own way. And I want you to think about the story that we've been hearing in Genesis chapter three, whenever the, the enemy goes to Eve, whenever the serpent goes to Eve and says, hey, did God really say? And appeals to the heart, appeals to doubt, appeals to deceit, appeals to a break in trust, to which I imagine Eve would sing, what about trust? And we see where it goes. You see, the enemy did not trip up Steve and the, or Eve, not Steve. This isn't a theological like stance I'm taking. It's just me messing up. Uh, Eve, it's the, this idea that like Eve, the enemy did not trip up Eve by saying, hey, go the way of Satan. He said it by saying, hey, you should go your own way. And for many of us in the room tonight, we've been tripped up along our lives because we've been convinced of the lie that we need to discover truth by going our own way. But we need to go some way, right? And so this question, which way is best? Which way is best? to answer that question, which way is best? Because it's not just, okay, if I can't go the way of the enemy and I can't go my own way, which way is it that I'm going to go? And I remember whenever I was in my freshman year of college and I was struggling with that exact thing, it's like, hey, I don't know what to do next. But what I do know is that there's something in my life that just isn't adding up. And maybe you've been a believer up to this point. You'd call yourself a Jesus follower and you're saying, hey, something in my life just isn't adding up. I feel like there's more to following Jesus than this, more to believing in Jesus than this. And maybe what I'm about to read that whenever I read it, it changed everything. If you're not a Jesus follower hearing this, you're like, yeah, that's the problem that I have with Christians. 
because Jesus is teaching in his, this famous message called Sermon on the Mount. And he gets into this part where he begins to address how it is that followers of him are supposed to live. And so he does. And so this is from the perspective of Jesus. We're gonna read out of the message translation just to try to put some things in our context because I don't want any of us to get necessarily tripped up over maybe some of the misinformation that can be out there. That isn't anything in terms of the word, but sometimes I just know it's helpful for me to read from a resource that can put some of this language in my everyday language. And so I encourage you totally to go check it out in another translation and maybe even multiple translations, but this is from the words of Jesus from his perspective in regards to some of the ways we shall live. And we see this in Matthew chapter seven. Knowing the correct password saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. This is Jesus saying, hey, knowing the right words to say, calling me master, it's not gonna get you anywhere. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my father wills. This is Jesus's path, Jesus's way. He continues, I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me. It's like this epic scene, right? At the end of days, at the very end of time, like thousands just like strutting. I'm not gonna strut for you because I'm already embarrassed, but uh, strutting up to me saying, master, we preach the message. We bash the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And whenever I read that for the very first time, all I could think was is that I had done a lot for God up to that point. I had done mostly the right things. I felt like I had journaled the way I was supposed to. I felt like I had prayed the way I was supposed to. I even felt like I volunteered at church the way I was supposed to. And so I was hinging on every word whenever Jesus responds. And do you know what I'm going to say to all those things that you've done? continues. You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. In one of the more literal translations, he says, depart from me. I never knew you, even though you've done all these things in my name. And so for me, even as somebody would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I recognized at a moment, the reason why I had felt a disconnect in my relationship with the Lord and following him is because I wasn't really following Jesus. I was doing church Jesus themed things in order for my own life to look better. I was doing things that would make people think as though I was wholesome or I had good character or I was trustworthy. But if I was being honest with myself, I was going down my own path. And so the advice that the world gives to follow your heart, following my heart even still themed like Jesus still got me to the same place as though I wasn't following him to begin with. That's my story. Now, I'm not saying that you have to doubt whether or not God loves you because I know that God still loved me. In fact, he loved me enough for me to be able to read this and have amazing friends in my life to say, hey, I know that you've been saying that you're following Jesus, but are you really? And whenever I asked myself the question, who am I really following? I recognized that it wasn't Jesus. Jesus. 
It was myself through him. And so I had some very, very wise people in my life that gave me the advice to do one thing. It's the same advice that I'm gonna encourage you with today. And it's this right here. And it's train your heart to follow Jesus. Is to train your heart to follow Jesus because your heart on its own will go its own way. I can guarantee that to be true because mine did. And my friends, when they were honest, theirs did. And every student I've ever talked to, theirs did. And I'd be willing to bet that if you looked deep inside right now, you'd say, yeah, so would mine. And if it does, don't worry, you're normal. And there is hope to train your heart to follow Jesus. And for the skeptic in the room, and I'm not even gonna say really skeptic, but just for somebody who is thinking critically about not wanting to buy into the lies and wanting to believe the truth, what if I go the wrong way? That's what I was concerned with. What if I go down the wrong path? What if I buy into this idea of Jesus and this way it leads me down the wrong path? Or even the, this is the bigger thing I was worried about. I don't know everything there is to know. What if I mess up? What if I need help along the way? What if I begin to forget exactly who it is that I am? Here's the thing. There's a reason why we talked about three questions over the course of this series and not just this one is because any single one of us that tries to answer the question, how do I live and tries to live the best way that they can and have not begun to answer the questions, who is God? Who am I according to who he is in light of who he is? And then in light of who God is and in light of who I am because of who he is, how then do I live? Who then do I follow? And so tonight I'm gonna to leave us with, again, the words of Jesus. And the classic, if you don't hear anything else, hear this, and I mean that. Because these words alone could be the mile marker for you for the rest of your life. That whenever things get complicated, whenever you begin to doubt, whenever you begin to worry, this can be the thing that you circle back to, that you anchor yourself to. And you might've even already heard it before. But would this insight not just be things that you hear or things that you see, but things that begin to transform you from the inside out? John 14, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not even my set of teachings, although that is amazing. Not just the law, although that is amazing. Not just, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you don't know what to do, just follow me. 
There's no fancy bottom line. There's no big bow to wrap up this series, but it's simply an invitation, an invitation that the enemy has never given you because he needs to be cunning in order to deceive you. In a series about lies and truth, I hope that you can buy into the truth tonight that Jesus is inviting you to follow him. Not just to ascribe to a set of religious beliefs, but to have a life that is transformed in following him and pursuing him. And here's the best part, is that in a place like this, you don't have to do that alone. Whenever you go your own way, you're going on that journey alone. No matter if you meet some people along the way that, that it can feel like you're getting that affirmation, you're getting that guidance from them, you're on that journey alone. But not this one. And so if you're asking that question maybe for the first time tonight of what it means to actually follow Jesus, or you'd say, hey, I want to take that step to follow him for the very first time, or maybe you're like I was my freshman year of college and you'd say, hey, I thought I was following him, but really I was following myself. I was my own idol, but I am now going to take in step with Jesus. Not to use advantage for your own gain, but because he is the way, the truth, and the life.